And <clears throat> I think that's the start of the recording. I think that's the beginning. I think that means that this is a birthday show. Hello. Hi. Hello. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to hype myself. I've just... If you, if you haven't been to a live show live uh, and you're just hearing this recording now, I don't know how to start one of these things because I, you know, I'm talking and I'm popping off and I hang out for like the hour beforehand. I jump in and out. And uh, so there's no hype. There's absolutely no hype. I just kind of walk out and start doing it. And I, it feels like a fucking beginning to a Netflix comedy special every time. I don't know if you guys watch any Netflix comedy specials. But there's this requirement in comedy specials where there has to be an introduction. And this is like this well-known universal thing. This goes beyond Netflix. This goes back to Comedy Central. This goes back to HBO uh, and their stand-up specials where, like, for whatever reason, market research has found out you can't just begin a co- – like, if somebody's on Netflix and they choose stand-up comedy and they click on a stand-up comic, apparently the market research still says, hey, hey, don't show a stand-up comic. That'll weird people out. Give them an introduction. So, <laughs> I I don't know why. There's no other medium that they do this for. I never click on a sitcom and then get like a little 30 seconds, 60 seconds of like, Hey, hey, we're about to do situational comedy. Watch out. <laughs> but they do it for stand-up. And that's exactly what this fucking feels like. This feels like the fucking minute or two that I'm doing that's not funny. It's not interesting. It's just me going like, Hi. Hello. You're about to hear a show tonight. And I'm a human being, and I'm trying to... Hello. Hi. So this is my Netflix intro. I don't know how to begin a show. And uh, there we are. There are two things that I don't know how to do. I don't know how to begin a show. And I don't know how to name things. So let's go ahead and jump right into weakness number two, since we've already started the fucking show. Naming things. I can't do it. You may have noticed this. I think it's because I don't give a shit what anything's name is. And that's the truth. I don't... I can remember names, but I have to. It's an effort. That's not how my memory stores things. It stores it by details. And so I will constantly be going like, Oh, God. What's the what's the fucking that mook from the fucking the movie? He's got all the the brain thing, and he's got the he's got the mnemonics. He's Keanu Reeves. Uh, they're putting the things in his head. There's a dolphin, and if you don't know the title of what I'm talking about, it's got to just be the worst fucking brainwave. This kind of psychic terror that I'm unleashing on what. You're just you're just summoning all these different mental images. Keanu Reeves, dolphin, brain, what are you talking about? And then if I do enough of that, if you just let me go, eventually I'll go, hey, Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, but I don't know names for anything. So just, just to be clear, my cat's name is Mrs. Kitty. I want you to think about how eloquent you've heard me be. And then, and then, and then you want to, you want to go with some other cat's names? I don't give a lot of, I don't give a lot of uh, personal details. I'll give you some names of some cats that were on the ranch, if you're ready. Uh, there was Dusty, because he rolled around in the dirt. Uh, there was a cat that had two litters of babies. 
she was named Mama. <laughs> there was Big Fat and Little Fat. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't give a shit what something's name is. I feel just like Mitch Hedberg when, when somebody I don't know if I'm, if I'm, no, it was Big Fat and Little Fat. They were both fat. And then I would do a Marlon Brando voice for Big Fat. And I called him Puss. So it was Big Fat Puss and Little Fat Puss. And so I do Marlon Brando for Big Fat Puss. And like when he was, he was not, he was not talkative. He never said anything, Big Fat Puss. And so he was fun to do because he'd just stare at you. And I would just, I would just constantly think, what are you doing? What are you doing? I want a wet food. I want a food. I want a wet food. I want food. I said, what? wet food. wet food. I would just constantly, because he'd just stare at you. He never talked. He'd just look at you with his big, fat, saggy face. And then Little Fat Puss was something else. There was a cat that I didn't know about for a long time. I was like, wow, look at all that food disappearing a little bit quicker than normal. I wonder if Big Fat and Little Fat can suddenly make it up here. I don't think so. It's too hard of a climb, but maybe they can because look at all that food disappearing. And then I found out that some random fucking cat, some random cat just like was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to retire. He heard about the sanctuary, and he just moved into the barn one night. So uh, his name was Secret, because I didn't know about him for like three weeks. The first time I saw Secret, uh, <laughs> the first time I saw Secret, I was like, fuck! And he just ran. I didn't see him again for like days. And then the next time I saw Secret, I did not see Secret, so much as I was up there replacing the food, and out the hole that he ran out of, it was an old barn, uh, I heard, Aww. and to this day, I've never heard a cat be equally pathetic and inquisitive. Besides that, he was like, don't kill me, but <laughs> it was the closest I've ever heard a cat, like, really ask for something like a human. Because cats have two modes, give it to me now, Veruca Salt, or how Dare you destroy me in front of all that you love and holy? Won't somebody please stop this torturous monster? That's it. Those are their two fucking modes of asking. It's either fucking shake you down like a fucking loan shark or scream as though you have never given them anything good in your fucking life. And those are the only two modes. But this particular cat, Secret, just then... After living on the range and finding there was a place he could just sleep and a giant fucking ugly just creature would uh, climb up a goddamn ladder and give him food, he went, hey man, I've never heard it before or since. It was just, it was a real good introduction. It's like, hey guy, uh, <laughs> got off on the wrong foot. Because <laughs> here's what I would normally do if a cat was like, or something like that, I would be, I would, oh, oh, kitty, it's okay. Kitty, it's okay. You're such a good kid. It's okay, kitty. It's okay. Right? But I hear this cat, <laughs> and he's like, hey, dude. And I'm like, hey, hey, are you are you the cat that I don't know? And then, he, and then his head popped out. And I think that if I was like, hey, hey, guy, hey, he'd be like, that's a fucking trap. It's a fucking trap. 
and you would have jumped right out. But no. <laughs> no, he was honest with me. He was a wildcat. <laughs> he knew where he was. And so you had to just go ahead and just sit down, come on in and be like, all right, hey, guy. Hey. So that's the end of cat names. Hope you enjoyed that segment. Uh, I don't know how to name things. And I don't know how to do segments or transitions. So, uh, cat names! Because when I don't know how to do a transition, that's what I just... I elongate a vowel. <laughs> and you guys sometimes really think that that's amazing. Uh, I'll take it every time. Okay. Cat names. That was the end of what I prepared for my birthday show. <laughs> Thanks for coming out. Uh, okay, so victories over PTSD. Here we are. Had a huge victory over PTSD on this trip to Denver and back. Huge victory. Driving is scary. I don't like it. Uh, I've been trying to like debate on if I should just like chill out in Albuquerque and save up money if I can't find a place in Denver or not. Yep. And... I saw, you're not going to know what this means, but I saw a 94 Geo tugging. You guys don't know what a 94 fucking Geo is. I s okay. Do you know what a Ford Escort is? Does everybody know what a Ford Escort is, more or less, from watching some Zach Galifianakis movie where he's trying to get the girl... There's got to be some movie where Zach Galifianakis drives an old Ford Escort where he's trying to fuck Amber Heard or something. All right, so y'all, so just imagine a Ford Escort minus four to five thousand dollars initial MSRP, minus I'd say fifteen to twenty horsepower, minus the bits of metal that were fastening it around the plastic. It's all plastic. Fucking ninety-four Geo. Literally, if you drop into an ocean, you would die. No, sorry. It's the only car that you could drive into an ocean was the 94 Geo. I don't know if you know this. It was the safest car to drive around. Like, Norway imported tons of them. Because if you accidentally drove it into the water, you wouldn't drown. The fucker would dissolve and you'd float to the fucking surface. Absolutely true story. Fucking 94 Geo. It's the most plastic car ever fucking made. Fisher Price had to fucking buy old fucking Geos to make their goddamn cars, all right? It was that bad. So I see this thing, and it is hauling ass. It's going as fast as it can, 28, 29 miles an hour. And it is tugging a full-size, a full-size trailer, a full F-150 to F-250-size trailer behind it. Filled, filled, you couldn't see this from the front. I could see that there was at least some detritus popping over the top, but I waited for it to pass. I just sat there, and I, and I, I stood there, and I closed my, crossed my arms because the hill was going to get steeper, and I knew it was going to slow down. So I was taking out my trash when I see this, and I was like, mm -mm, this is entertainment. I'm going to stop and watch this. And it's, 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 I hear it, which is why I look up. I hear, Argh! it's screaming, baby. It's going, this fucking Geo. And it's fucking pulling this trailer. I see a little bit of trash peeking over the top. As it drives by, it is full. Tires, 
fucking shitty scrapped wire, copper. Uh, there's there's a couple of shopping carts in there. Uh, it is legitimately just like multiple. Like if there was an RPG in real life, if Scott Pilgrim was real, and you had the quest to go and beat the shit out of a homeless camp and loot everything, this would be what was in that fucking trailer, right? Like if that was your quest, like there's been a, there's been an encampment of kobolds. I mean homeless. I mean kobolds. If you could dispatch of them, that would be fantastic, and the city will be safe. Slash property values will go up. So if you could just go ahead and 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 kill or dispatch, I don't give a shit. As long as we don't see them afterwards, we don't care. This metaphor is getting too true for school. So anyway, it was just it was just an Armageddon. It was just. A trash mound. It was this culmination of things that you have never, ever, 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 ever put into your trunk. Much less said, you know what I need to do? Hitch this motherfucker up to the back of the car to take all of this. Much less said, you know what? If the only way I can hitch this out, if the only conveyance I fucking got is a geo, well, guess what? No shopping cart or busted tire left behind. So, uh, after seeing that, let me just say, I'm as, I'm as motivated as I've ever been to get the fuck out of here. Because <laughs> I legitimately, as I'm packing up, I'm doing the opposite. I've, I've started throwing the clothes that I... They're clothes. They're clothes. They don't have holes in them or anything. I just, they just don't fit me anymore, and they're too stinky to give away. I'm giving the clothes that, that, that are okay to give away to give away. There are clothes that don't. I'm throwing those out. There's appliances I'm throwing out. Yeah. This is a different mindset. Albuquerque. No. No. It's not for me anymore. So, uh, that ends that segment called... Called, I saw a Geo driving past me as fast as it fucking could, and it changed my life forever. Because I knew that even though it weighed 8,000 pounds, if it hit me directly, it couldn't have killed me. And I kind of wanted to, because... Fuck Albuquerque. So, uh, real quick, did, I, didn't, I didn't do the PTSD thing, did I? You guys didn't let me do the PTSD story. Oh my god, guys, you're supposed to keep me on track. What the fuck? We haven't gotten to the request yet. All right, all right. I don't even know how I got on the fucking Geo story over the PTSD. All right, so uh, I drove up. Everything was fine. The only story I have to tell on the way there is that I got passed by a smart car. I was in the right lane on a two-lane highway. I was going ten miles over the limit. And a smart car blew right fucking past me. To be clear, I'm going 85 miles an hour. And a smart car blows fucking past me. Hats off to smart cars. No, he didn't give me a dirty look. I was going ten miles above the speed limit in the right-hand lane. No! He didn't give me a dirty look. I imagined if I saw his face, he would have been so fucking impressed. <laughs> if I imagined if I looked over at his face, he's like, Whoa! Whoa! What the fuck? This never happens! Whoa! <laughs> so 
So that's the that's the that's the only eventful thing. Uh, the other thing is I drove up. I left it uh, left a little after rush hour, and so I drove up at night. And I there was all this traffic and all this stuff when I left. And then when I got to the border, the Colorado border, there was nothing. And that's always freaks me out when I'm traveling and there's a bunch of people, and then I'm driving and there's not even a headlight behind or ahead of me. I'm like, ah, ah, what happened? That's it. That's the only story. Uh, on the way back, however, I I truly, through no fault of my own, I'm going to describe it as best as I can, <clears throat> almost got in an accident. And if it was an accident, it would have been a real, real bad one. And it scared the shit out of me. So I, uh, I'm driving back. It's the middle of the afternoon. Uh, there's a fair bit of traffic. And... Uh, the situation is, is that it's a long, straight road. It's a single, it's two-lane highway, but it's a one-direction highway. There's nothing coming the other direction. Yeah? So it's a pretty long, safe stretch of the road. I am behind another car, uh, which is behind an industrial truck. The truck isn't a semi. It's an industrial truck. So it's the kind of truck that would pull up in front of your house if you needed demolition done. It's got a cherry picker on the back. Uh, and uh, it's just like a utility industrial truck. I would guess that it would weigh somewhere around 8,000 pounds. It's a big, big truck. Got six wheels. So uh, I'm behind a normal car uh, about the same size as uh, mine. And... We're going to go past this truck. This truck is, uh, it's only going 80 on a 75. So fuck that shit. Let's pass him. Me and other car, say. Because uh, everybody's going 10 to 15 over on this road. Um, and, and cars are constantly passing trucks. So I'm feeling very confident. The other car gets in the left lane to pass. Again, no cars coming in the opposite direction. No cars behind. No cars ahead. Uh, he picks it up to about 90. And he moves past the truck. I get into the left lane to move past the truck as well. The car gets back into the right, the car ahead of me gets back into the right-hand lane ahead of the truck, right? He's past the truck. Well, I guess the truck didn't see me because as soon as the car went in front of him, he didn't realize that that car was trying to pass him. As soon as the car went ahead of him, he came right into the left lane and I had to slam on my brakes immediately, otherwise he would have sideswiped me. He came right in, right, right, right in, and I was going about three to five miles faster than him. So I fucking, bam, I hit those brakes, there's nobody behind me, thank Christ, and everything was fine. He gets right back into his right leg immediately, I mean, I lean on my horn as soon as I hit my brakes, uh, and I'm pissed off as shit. Right. I'm just like, I, it's, it's the kind of moment like I'm so glad I can't like use my thoughts to harm people because I would have choked his ass. <laughs> There's no question in my mind. I was that mad in that second. Uh, and so I uh, lean right on my fucking horn and then he gets right back in his right lane. And now here's how I know that he knew that he fucked up. Right. Sometimes you're driving along and and there's a miscommunication you don't understand yada, 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 that other person gets mad at you after you get mad at them. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a vibe. You get mad at somebody driving and they don't think they did anything wrong. They get mad right the fuck back. Uh, 
Uh, so I, uh, he gets right back into his right-hand lane. Yeah? And now here's how I know that he fucking knew that he did wrong. He goes down from 82 or 83, whatever it was, his passing speed. Uh, he slows down to like 65 miles an hour. And he, I just, it's a long straight road, right? And I can just, I can just see him like go back down to below the speed limit. Speed limit 75. I see him go back down to below the fucking speed limit. And I, and then, uh, like I'm full and like I'm miles ahead. Like this is a long, long straight road in the middle of a desert. I just want to say that again. I saw that guy keep that low ass speed and get past for fucking like 45 minutes. Like that dude shrank down and stayed small. So yes, I'm sure that he fucked up and he knew it. Ah, and so the, I was like freaking out. Right? My hand's shaking for a second. Uh, I got it, you know, both hands on the wheel. Ah. Both hands are on the wheel the entire fucking trip because I'm, you know, a little scared of driving. And so I uh, take deep breaths and I'm like, take deep breaths. So I do a 5-7 and I do a 7-9. Uh, I don't do a 9 I was going to like, I'm going to do a 9-11. And I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't, do, don't say that aloud. So... So I, I do my deep breathing and what have you. And uh, this is not what would make me have a huge PTSD event. This is bad, right? It's a bad, sudden, anxious thing. But that's not what causes like the freak out or the hyperventilation or the body lock. What happens is after that trauma, post that trauma, one might say, uh, I, I get into this, this kind of feeling where it feels like my body is getting tenser and heavier and thicker, like my blood's coagulating. And, and then I start shaking a little bit. I start feeling either hot or cold, yada, yada, yada. And that typically comes after a big confrontation or a big scary thing happens, but then something really negative happens. Right? Like somebody will cancel a date on me or I'll get a nasty anon message or something. And then that's when the PTSD uh, really hits. So I'm more, I'm, I'm kind of ramped up and I'm, ah, I'm the road warrior. I survived the road, you know, in this moment. I don't like what happened to me, but I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm master of my domain. The PTSD has not taken me in. But like 45 minutes after that, Pretty, pretty, not long after I lose the guy in the rear view. I had charged my phone up to 100%. It's a brand new phone. And the phone is this huge piece of me not getting uh, freaked out on trips. So, I, again, I charged the phone that morning to 100%. I'm sure of it. Uh, and the phone is my lifeline. The phone makes a noise I've never heard it make before. But listening to Spotify, nothing else the whole way back. And the beep means you've got 10% battery left, motherfucker. Now, I listen to the podcast. I listen, not the podcast, a, a podcast that I listen to. All the way up. Right? I made, I've already made this drive. It did not drain the battery listening to the podcast and having Google Maps open the entire way up. 
I know. Because I listened to Spotify and podcasts and had Google Maps open the entire way up. However, though I know it was at 100% because I plugged it in twice to make sure that green light flashed on and didn't, it wasn't just lying to me. Uh, it drained with less, like, computer functions going on. Can I explain that? No. I hate it, too. And I'm not allowed to say cursed or eh, but cursed. Because there's no way. There's no way. I check the apps and everything. So, that's when I start feeling a little tense. And that's when I start feeling like my shoulders rising up and all that. And I'm like, you know what? You know what? I say to myself, the accident was, it didn't happen. You're okay. You're fine. It's a straight shot back home. You're fine. You know the cities, both Denver and Albuquerque, the main arteries at least, like the back of your hand. You're fine. You're a-okay. Then my low fuel indicator light comes on. So, <laughs> I'm fine with that because I was planning on just going into this next town and getting gas. I knew where it was, right? But what I hadn't considered <laughs> is that I was going to use my phone <laughs> to get in and off the fucking highway <laughs> to get back home. So, because I'm in a little bit of PTSD mode, <laughs> I see a gas station and I get super excited. And then I get off the freeway and I drive to the gas station and I pump in all the gas. And I'm all excited. I'm like, yay, there's a subway there. It looks like a, a real subway, too. I'm like, ah, fuck it. I'll get a subway sandwich. I haven't had anything to eat so far today. I go, I get my sandwich. I eat it. I'm all happy. I sit down in this shitty little town of, like, 18 people. And then I look back up at the road, and I'm like, oh, right. I have to get back on the highway. <laughs> Oh, that's fine. I'll use my phone. And so I pick up my phone. Zero percent battery. It just, I don't, what the fuck was I thinking? And so I thought, well, I've got two choices here. I'm in PTSD mode, which means that I don't know how to, I'm so sorry. Can somebody just give me a little bit of a prompt there? Yeah, the battery's dead. I'm at that point in the story. Oh, I'm in PTSD mode. And so asking for directions is going to be real hard. Uh, I've got this kind of message in my head when I'm in PTSD mode that says, nobody wants to see you, everybody hates you, uh, every, you're disgusting, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, well, you have to get home. So just go back into the subway and ask for directions. They were very nice. And you tipped them. You tipped them $2. You went out of your way to break up a 10 to tip them $2. They're going to give you directions. They're going to give you directions. And I went, you know what? You're right. You're right, brain. You're absolutely correct. I take a moment. I take a deep breath. I remember all the nice things you say about me. I get out of my car. I walk up to the subway. I pull the handle. And it's locked! And it's locked! They closed for lunch when I wasn't looking! Oh, they closed for lunch in the subway in the small town. Ah! 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 Ah!
A little sign on the door. We'll be back for 30 minutes. I'm like pounding. There's a sandwich in there. Eat it and get me out of here. Eat it and get me out. Oh, what I do at that point is almost like just laugh. I just, I just kind of accept that this is like, this is some, this is some like, you know, Twin Peaks shit at this point. This is maybe is the town where you live now. <laughs> maybe I get inside the subway and like, it's just me working behind the counter and I just say, you've always worked here. Right? Like at this point, <laughs> I'm willing to accept, uh, maybe the, maybe the, maybe I died in that accident and the whole Grey Knight thing was just this fantasy I had while bleeding out. <laughs> Not a bad way to go. But for real and for true, what I do at that moment when I pull the handle and the door doesn't open and then I see the sign saying that they're closed for lunch, which to this day, I wish I had taken a picture, but no fucking battery. Because I woulda. I just go to the gas station. I just go to the gas station. At that point, I don't know what to tell you. Like, the PTSD was like... <laughs> the PTSD just gave up. I pulled the handle. The door was locked. The door that I just opened inside, that I just convinced myself to go for directions, I had to talk myself into, <laughs> was locked all of a sudden. And my PTSD was like, Oh, well, fuck it. You're fine. <laughs> go to the gas station. Fuck it. I can't. Hey, you, hey, you know what? Good game. <laughs> Good game. Well played. You know what? Go ahead. And I just walk right over the gas station. I'm so ca like, hey, uh, this is really embarrassing. My phone died and I wasn't looking for gas here and I feel like an idiot. And the person's like, yeah, we get that. We get that conversation three times a day. That's, that's all that happens here in this town is people driving, needing gas, going, get me the fuck out. Get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> Take me with you. I don't know what else to say. It was this really interesting, like, moment. Like, it, the, the PTSD kept ramping up and ramping up and ramping up. And I kept fighting it off. And, <laughs> and then I had my moment where it got me, right? Like, it just it kind of just, like, it was this, you know, incubus, succubus wrapping itself around me, keeping me locked up. And then I fought that off. And then I grabbed the handle. And then it was locked. And then the fucking demon on my shoulder materialized just long enough to be like, shit, dude. What the fuck? Are we actually cursed? Said my PTSD. Oh, fuck. <laughs> shit, I'm in here too. Oh, Listen, I want to torment you, not kill you. What the fuck is happening in this town? <laughs> half the reason, half the times I tell you to go fuck yourself is just because I'm hungry for a little bit of Whataburger. I'm on your side. <laughs> okay, that's enough anthropomorphizing my PTSD, especially as kind of like a white Sanford senior. That's kind of like a white Sanford senior is what that kind of sounded like, that PTSD voice. <laughs> yes, Elizabeth, I'm worried. He doesn't leave his house anymore, even for the gym. <laughs> Elizabeth, I think this guy's got mental problems. 
All right, definitely stopping White Sanford before it goes someplace where everyone's not laughing. Right now, everyone's laughing at White Sanford. That means seal it up. Seal it up before I go too far. Woo! And that's the end of White Sanford. We never hear from him again. White Sanford Sr. is over, baby. Hope you enjoyed him. And on to the actual show. If you're listening at home, that's going to sound like it was a transition. I am not that prepared. I can just make my voice do things. For instance, from the top of a high rock, I obtained a good view of the most extensive and dreary wilderness I ever beheld. It chilled the heart to gaze on these barren of Labrador. Indeed, I now dread every chance of harbor, so horridly rugged and dangerous is the whole coast and country to the eye, and to the experienced man either of the sea or the land. James, I'm going to go with Abudon. Oops, I'm going to go with, ooh, Adubin. James Adubin. Too many vowels in your last name, James. Yeah, that's an interesting poem. He doesn't want to go back to Labrador. He thinks it's scary, huh? I've never, I've never heard, every, every poem I've ever heard about the island of Labrador is how beautiful it is. And that it's filled with the stupidest dogs anyone's ever met. All right. I'm just kidding, guys. Guys, that was a joke. Guys, it was a joke. That's the, that's the Pugninsula. The Pugninsula. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if questioning would make us wise, no eyes would ever gaze in eyes. If all our tale were told in speech, no mouths would wander each to each. Were spirits free of mortal mesh and love not bound in hearts of flesh, no aching breasts would yearn to meet and find their ecstasy complete. For those is there and lives and knows, for secret powers by which he grows, would knowledge all what were our need to thrill and faint and sweetly bleed. Then seek not sweet the if and why. I love you now until I die. For I must love because I live, and life in me is what you give. Untied. Oh, I apologize. Uh, Christopher Brennan. Christopher Brennan. Oh, you girls are citing everything, and then I keep not seeing the names. Thank you so much for citing, since I do get asked that from time to time. If we didn't have birthdays, you wouldn't be you. If you'd never been born, well then, what would you do? If you'd never been born, well then, what would you be? You might be a fish or a toad in a tree. You might be a doorknob or three baked potatoes. You might be a bag full of hard green tomatoes. Uh, 
or worse than all that, why, you might be a wasn't. A wasn't has no fun at all. No, he doesn't. A wasn't just isn't. He just isn't present. But you, you are you. And now, isn't that pleasant? Today, you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. Shout loud, I am lucky to be what I am. Thank goodness I am not just a clam, or a ham, or a dusty old jar of sour gooseberry jam. I am what I am. That's a great thing to be. If I say so myself, happy birthday to me. A poem by Dr. Seuss. Under the soft, translucent linen, the ridges around your nipples harden at the thought of my tongue. You, lying inverted like the letter C, arch yourself deliberately, wanting the warm press of my lips. It's wet to coat the skin that is bristling, burning, breaking into sweets of desire, sweet juices of imagination. But in fact, I haven't even touched you, at least not yet. Desire by Sudeep Sen <clears throat> Tigers, beetles, crickets, velvet ants all know the useful friction of part on part, how to rub of wing to leg Pectrum to file, marks territories, summons mates. How a lip rest over finely tinted ridges can play sweet as a needle on vinyl. But sometimes a lone body is insufficient. So the sapsucker drums chimney flashing for our amped-up morning reveals. Or, later, home again. The wind's papery come hither through the locust leaves, the roof arching its tin back to meet the rain, the bed's soft creak as I roll to my side. What sounds will your body make against mine? I, I, I'm not sure I know this word. The Stridulation Sonnet by Jessica Jacobs. Uh, stridulation, yeah, I, I'm assuming that must be it. Stridulation. I, I don't know if I've ever come across that word. That might be a new word for me. Stridulation? Stridulation? I mean, julation. I know what adulation is. I don't know what, what stridulation is, though. Not no. Huh. Okay, nobody here knows it either, so we just better move on unless Allie wants to cut it all out and somebody opens a dictionary. Ah! Stradulation is the 
sound of body or physical parts rubbing against non-instruments making noise. There we go. Very good. Okay, we all learned something. Now you can intimidate a guy by saying, would you stradulate me? And then get your ass choked out! Yeah, bitch, I'll stradulate you. Argh! Argh! around your neck. Stradulated that bitch because she asked me to. Damn, why, why are you asking? <laughs> What's he that wishes so? My cousin, Westmoreland. No, my fair cousin. If we are marked to die, we are now to do our country loss. And if to live, the fewer men, the greater share of honor. God's will. I pray thee, wish not one man more. By Jove! I am not covetous for gold, nor care I who doth feed upon my cost. It yearns me not if men my garments wear, such outward things dwell not in my desires. But if it be a sin to covet honor, I am the most offending soul alive. No faith, my cuz, wish not a man from England. God's peace, I would not lose so great an honor as one man more. Methinks would share from me for the best hope I have. Oh, do not wish one more. Rather, proclaim at Westmoreland through my host, that he which hath no stomach in this fight, let him depart. His passport shall be made and crowns to convey put into his purse. We would not die in that man's company that fears his fellowship to die with us. This day is called the Feast of Crispian. He that outlives this day and comes safe home will stand a tiptoe when the day is named and rouse at him the name of Crispian. He shall have lived this day and see old age, will yearly on the vigil feast to his neighbors to say, Tomorrow is St. Crispin. He will strip his sleeves and show his scars and say, These wounds I had on Crispin's day. Old men forget, and yet all shall be forgot. But he'll, but he'll remember with advantages. What feats he did that day. Then shall name our names. Familiar in his mouth as household words. Harry, the king. Bedford, the executor. Warwick, the Talbot. Salisbury and Gloucester. Be in their flowing cups freshly remembered. This story shall be the good men it teaches sons, and Crispin, Crispin shall never go by from this day to the ending of the world. But we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers, for he today that shed his blood with me 
shall be my brother. But he, never so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen, in England, now a bed, shall think themselves accursed that they were not here. And hold their manhoods cheap while they speak that fought with us upon St. Crispin's Day. Ah! All right. It's not even the good speech from the fucking play either. <laughs> Thank you for giving me the lesser speech. <laughs> Sorry, neighbor. Sorry, I definitely was too loud there. At least it's not too late yet on a Saturday. Whoops. <laughs> Sorry, neighbor. There's no way that didn't carry. Ah, uh, all right. <clears throat> Six pomegranate seeds, as red as rubies, lie on a golden plate. They glow with crimson fire and a candlelight. My lord bids me eat. I can feel his hands upon my shoulders. I can feel his breath upon my neck. I eat the first fruit. And... As I taste, my lord tastes the skin of my throat, where the scent of the flowers still linger. In the world above, the daylight fades. The wind blows cold among the trees. The second seed is eaten, and my lord kneels at my feet. His hands reach for my breasts, as though the fabric of my gown, I feel the caress. First soft, and then hard. I watch my nipples rise and strain against the thin gold silk. He takes a small knife from the table and, holding it delicately, cuts the neckline of my dress. The fabric tears, parting from white flesh, and falls away. The world above, as night draws close, the grasses turn in the wind. Flowers bend. Petals fall. My nipples are the color of crimson seeds. The third seed is, upon, is laid upon my lips, and my lord suckles at my breasts, tracing circles of fire with his tongue. They ripen like fruit beneath his kisses. The world is dark. The trees are black and bare. Creatures shiver and find shelter where they may. My lord explores my body, kissing, biting, tasting the length of me. I need to see him. He will not undress. He will not let me touch him. I know that he is beautiful. I feel that beauty as my body lifts to press against him. Naked now, my thighs tremble and open. The fourth seed is eaten. In the world above, frost traces white patterns on brown leaves. The last of the summer fruit returns to the soil beneath the sleeping trees. I catch my breath as my dark lord parts my thighs. His fingers touch me there, gliding on the juices of my passion. His tongue questing thirsts for me, tasting me even as I taste the fifth seed upon my tongue. The world above lies dormant, frozen. A creature caught by the cold, harsh air curls and sleeps, stiffens and dies. 
He looks into my eyes, my lord, and slowly unlaces the robe he wears to taunt and tempt me. It falls to the ground. He stands before me, proud manhood beautiful. I long to take him in my mouth, to close my lips around that hot, strong flesh, taste the milky jewel glistening at its tip. He smiles and puts instead the sick seed to my lips. He gathers me to him. I twine my legs around his waist and open to his manhood. It thrusts deeper and deeper, taking me further into my lord's dog realm. The last seed bursts cool upon my tongue as my lord's seed bursts hot within my body. The world above lies still as death, waiting for spring to come. Hollow promise. Who can know how hard that promise is to keep? I have always loved the taste of pomegranates. Persephone, or Why the Winters Seem to be Getting Longer, by Wendy Froud. Just to be clear, that's the title, Persephone, or Why the Winters Seem to be Getting Longer, Wendy Froud. Uh, person who sent in uh, something about Once Upon a Time, please know that I, I scheduled to do it, uh, but I am just... I'm, uh, maybe send it in another time. You did it through Ali. Thank you so much for doing so. Please don't think that I... Uh, uh, it's just a bit long for uh, the rest of the evening. Thank you very much for that. It looked... Uh, very fun to read, and it's not the kind of thing that I do. So thank you to whoever sent that in. Uh, please send that or, or something, maybe like it, and again in the future. I'd appreciate that very much. Okay. Upon the side table rested the hero with a thousand faces by Joseph Campbell. Mia had found the book in my library and brought it up here to read. Lifting the end of my comforter, I slipped under it and made my way, planting kisses to her feet and moving upward. She stirred and shuddered when my tongue met her sex. I lapped and flicked her clit, selfishly needing her. You're home, she said sheepishly. Ah, let's try that again. You're home, she said sleepily. I'm so happy. I replied by kissing deeper, taking her there firmly, lavishing more affection, tasting that which I'd become addicted to, bestowing suckles until she arched her back and breathed in gasps of pleasure. Not yet, Mia, I whispered. Oh, please. No one could give her what she needed like me. I was the only man who could truly love her the way she deserved. I'd worship her every day like this. I rose over her and grabbed her wrists, pinning her arms above her head and to the mattress before thrusting deep inside, feeling her tautness, her wetness, allowing for my slow, leisurely glide. I stared down at the impossible conquest. Please, she begged. Not yet. I can't. You can. And you will. 
slower thrusts, deep and powerful, her body trembling beneath me. Hungry and die from pleasure. I buried my face in her neck to hide my smile. Now? She said, no. I rubbed my pelvis against her sex with each glide. God. Obey. Yes, sir. I gave her this nice and slow fucking she deserved. I withdrew all the way out, followed by a long, steady thrust, holding off, holding her back. I kept her lingering on the edge and moved slower still when she neared. On and on until she moans, until her moans echoed around us. Her eyelids grew heavy, and there was a sprinkle of moisture on her upper, upper lip. Her stare glazed with concentration as she tried to obey. This slow torture of pleasure made my cock ache for release. Yet seeing her obey and restrain from climaxing intensified my own mind-blowing orgasm that I could no longer hold it back. You may come. Her cries fractured the silence. Her body went rigid in ecstasy, and her organs took her over. Eyes closed, she shuddered. Her rare mixture of innocence and passion was impossible not to crave. My meaning to life. I followed her over into the abyss, and to the world disappeared around us. Nothing mattered, only her. We lay like this for a while, we above staring down into her eyes. I collapsed beside her, all drama having dissipated from my mind, like a foggy memory. Good morning, she said at last. Good morning. That's kind of a cool alarm clock you've got going on there. Are you, have you reduced me to a technological device? That's the most amazing way to wake up. She threw herself onto my chest and rested her head against my heart. Vanessa Fewings, Cameron's Control, book number four. Okay, okay. That was a nice little, nice little bouche amuse, was it not? I like that. I like that. Shorter erotica to make the transition. I may ask for more of that in the future. I like the way that that felt. I do, I do. Sean wrapped the towel around his waist and opened the bathroom door. He asked Grace if maybe one of her sons had left behind something he could wear. Anything would be easier than sitting around in the kitchen, almost naked, trying to explain that he didn't want to have sex with her, when his cock so obviously did. The sight that met him when he first opened the door made him stop in his tracks. Suddenly, every thought of leaving Grace further untouched fled as his cock firmly took command. Grace sat in the middle of her queen-sized bed. She was completely naked 
and on her knees. Her palms were up, lying on her thighs, and her, her lovely head gazed to some place on the floor in front of her. Her eyes were submissively down, and long auburn locks flowed around her shoulders like a silky waterfall. It was the graceful position of a sub waiting for her dominant partner's command. Everything inside Sean responded to it. He'd seen submissives waiting for him in this position countless times, but his heart leapt at the sight of Grace. This wasn't some nameless sub looking for a good time. This was Grace. She'd never sat in that position for anyone else, just for him. Not on the bed, Grace. He heard himself saying, When you greet me, you do it on the floor. She moved quickly and found the position again. She never looked at him, merely followed his command. Her red hair flowed freely down her back. It was wild and wavy from the humidity. It went well with her nude body, making her seem primitive and tempting. He took in every inch of her lovely feminine form. She was petite, but curved in all the right places. Her breasts were large and natural. Her waist flowed gracefully into full hips that he could grip while he fucked her. She was the most desirable woman he had ever seen, as though he hadn't just had an orgasm. His cock fought the cotton of his towel, trying to break free. He placed a hand on her head and gave up the fight. He would regret it. He knew he would. He also knew he couldn't walk away from her. And he let the towel drop. Your form is next to perfect. Strengthen your spine. Straighten your spine a little. Those novels you've read seem to have the right idea. Look up at me. Her chin came up. Her lovely face was placid. Those big hazel eyes were perfectly calm, but the slight curve of her lips gave her away. She was thrilled with his response. She'd known what she was doing. His little one was going to try to top from the bottom. It would be an intricate dance between them for power. He was looking forward to many, many years of that struggle. This was what you didn't get from a slave, this fire and passion. She would always surprise him. Perhaps it was time to surprise his little sub, too. Did you do what I asked? She nodded, though a little wariness entered her expression now. I opened the wine, sir. It's on the table. Sure enough, she followed the letter of his command, but not the intent. The bottle was chilling in a little silver bucket with two wine glasses beside it on the table. Grace, I told you. I wanted to talk. Did you have any intention of talking to me? Oh, yes. Her response was bouncy, as though she was happy he phrased it in a way she didn't have to lie about. I think we should talk.
he would have to be more direct. He hid the smile that threatened. He was supposed to be in control. Grace, are you trying to seduce me? Now her face fell, and her teeth sank into her full bottom lip. She replied, Can I seduce you? He sighed. That was what this was all about? Did the woman not have eyes? In the week he'd known her, he'd always had an erection around her. She was his fucking Viagra. And he'd gone out of his way over the erection-lasting four hours point. He didn't need a doctor. He needed her. He was far past thinking about the job. He was thinking about grace, and he needed to teach his sub a lesson. I believe you'll find you can seduce me, but first things first. He sat down on her bed over my lap. He didn't miss the hitch in her breath. It wasn't nervousness. I won't ask again. Right now, it's a count of five. Every second you delay, I'll add on to it. Grace's gorgeous heart-shaped ass was across his lap in no time. Her stomach pressed against his cock. She wiggled a little, trying to get situated. Sean steadied her with his left hand. Do you know why I'm going to spank you? Because I was trying to manipulate you? No, darling. I'm going to spank you because you'll like it. He brought his hand down in a short arc, the sound a cracking through the silence of the room. Her skin was so pale it immediately pinkened, and her breath came out in a sweet little squeal. She squirmed slightly. His hand came down again on the opposite cheek. I'll allow your sounds this time. Know that in the future I will tie you down and gag you if you disobey me again. He planted a little slap to the center of her ass and then let his fingers slip underneath to make sure she hadn't misjudged the situation. Sure enough, his grace was sopping wet and getting more roused by the second. She liked her spanking. He wasn't cooling off any either, though. He could feel his cock pushing against her heated flesh. He shoved two fingers straight into a cunt. She was so slippery, he slid in totally unencumbered. He watched her back rise and fall, even with jerky breaths. His sweet sub was trying so hard to follow his orders, his skin was perfectly pink and hot to the touch. She responded so well to his discipline. He would have to be careful when he used a cane or a whip on her. He couldn't wait to tie her down and put his mark on her. He pulled his fingers out and smacked her ass again two times in quick succession. He was past the point of waiting. He needed her. He lowered her down, so she knelt between his legs. Her face came up. 
She flushed with need. Her tongue darted across the full lips of hers, and Sean's cock throbbed open. She didn't hesitate. She opened her mouth and allowed him to thrust his arcing dick, his aching dick, between her lips. Her tongue came out to swirl around his head, making him groan. He thrust his hands into her hair. Later, he promised himself, later he would spend an evening instructing her on just how he liked his cock being sucked. But for now, he was overwhelmed with the need to simply use her. To know that she was his. Why this woman? Why now? He couldn't lie to himself. Grace did it for him. She was funny and smart and challenging. She was so sexy he couldn't think about her without getting hard. How had he ever thought he could play games with her and walk away? Wider, Grace, you can take me all the way. He held her ruthlessly, shoving his cock in and out. He peered down, the sight of his erection disappearing between her lovely lips and just about enough to undo him. When he pulled out, her cheeks hollowed, and she sucked furiously, trying not to lose him. Her tongue rolled over his flesh. He let his cockhead just brush her lips before burrowing back into that soft place at the back of her throat. One more thrust, and he would sp- and the spill would come down her throat. Sean pulled out. His cock came out of her mouth. He wasn't coming down her throat the first time. He wanted to be buried deep in that pussy of hers on the bed. Spread your legs. His voice was harsh even to his own ears, but Grace didn't seem to mind. She scrambled up onto her clean, quilt-covered bed, and her legs were splayed in seconds. She was gorgeously spread out for his pleasure. His first found his cock and stroked it as he prepared to climb on the bed and claim her. <clears throat> he suddenly had wanted to punch a wall. Damn it, Grace. I have to get out of the car for something. He hadn't intended to make love to her. His condoms were still in the car. She smiled a little weakly at him and pointed to the bedside table. I've had college boys in my house for a couple of years and no desire to become a grandmother. I make sure that there were condoms in the house. And she thoughtfully brought them down. She'd manipulated him, and he couldn't resist her. He reached over and grabbed one. He regarded her with his most menacing stare as he rolled the condom over his grateful cock. I should have spanked you more. Later, right now, please fuck me, sir. He crawled over her, hooking her knees over his elbows, pushing her legs even further apart. She was completely open to him. Her perfectly shaved pussy was coated with cream. And it was beginning to come in. He couldn't resist the temptation. One more second. 
He lined his cock up, swirling it in her juice to moisten it, and slowly, painstakingly, began to push his way in. She was so tight and hot around his cock. Her pussy was a sultry cave he needed to explore. Her eyes were closed and her mouth slightly open. She sighed as he forced himself in another inch. Open those eyes. There will be no hiding from him. He demanded honesty, and E was going to get it. They obediently fluttered open to pierce him with a look of pure lust. There was no coyness in grace. There was only simple desire for him. You're going to make me crazy. You know that? He watched her hazel eyes widen as he pushed forward until he was seated all the way up to his balls. Her shoulders shook as she tried to adjust him. He gave her a moment, savoring the connection he'd wanted from the minute he'd seen her. Fuck, you feel good. You feel so damn good. He pulled out and thrust in quickly. Her cunt sucked at him, trying to keep him inside. There was no way he was going to last. Later, there would be time to fuck her for hours, to make her come over and over again until she begged him to finish it. But now, he had to come. Sean angled his body down, forcing her to take more of his weight. It felt right to be inside of Grace, as though some odd piece of himself had just fallen into place. He held nothing back. He was savage in his need. He poured into her. Her breathy moans told him, and she didn't mind at all. When he felt the shiver at the base of his spine that told him he was about to go off like a rocket, he let one of her legs go so she could rub her clit. He ran his thumb over the sensitive bit of flesh and watched Grace come. It was a beautiful thing. Her eyes got wide and her mouth opened to emit a soft cry, and those little muscles of her pussies suddenly bored down on his cock. Sean let his head fall back. She'd been taken care of. Now was his selfish time. He thrust in again and again, and the semen jetted out of his body in a wave of relief. He ground himself against her so that she milked every last drop of him. When he was finally finished, he collapsed on top of her. He rubbed the softness of her skin, rubbed it against him. Her arms wound around him, and her fingers found his hair. He buried his face in her breast, perfectly content to spend the rest of the night there. Lexi Blake, The Dom Who Loved Me, Masters and Mercenaries, book number one. Alec, can we get a link? It's my birthday, and you should pay me before I read the last thing. It's my birthday, and you should give me lots of fucking money. It's my birthday, it's my birthday. Listen to how good I read shit. It's my birthday, it's my birthday. Pay me fucking bitches. <laughs> we got one little, little, uh, last one to go here. That was very nice. Throw them dollars in. That's right. 
damn right. Listen to how I earn it. God damn, listen to how I fucking shake this cake for you girls. You telling me you can't put a little fucking money in my thong after all I do? Uh-uh. I don't believe it. I'll give you plenty of time to do it. I'll give you time to do it again just in case you're that impressed after you did it the first time. Oh. Oh, dollar dollar bill, y'all. Uh, this is one of those few times, I, I don't say this because I think it's a very, like, rude and sensitive thing to say. This is one of those few times I do wish I were black. Because cause I gotta just say, there's a there's a wave file that plays in my head from the Dave Chappelle show. And I just legitimately want to just, I'm rich, bitch! Uh, uh. Like, to this day, <laughs> I think about... Like, being exuberant about making money, that is the sound file that plays in my head. I know it's not okay for me to say it, especially with that, like, vocal tone. I get I get it, so I don't. I'm sharing it amongst you on, on, as, a, as friends on my birthday. You get it. But it does still play in my head. I hear it perfectly. <laughs> God. The first time I saw that Dave Chappelle show, where they fucking... The, the premise is horrible. The premise is that black people get reparations of like $20,000 apiece and it tanks the economy because they spend it all on crazy shit. The first time I saw that episode, I couldn't stop fucking laughing. I just, I died. I didn't even see the full fucking sketch because I was laughing so hard I was crying. Dave Chappelle, man, he's one of mine. Okay, that should do it. Here we go. I don't actually have the money jar open. So nobody could have paid anything all night. I decided not to look and just focus on the reading. Here we go. It's our final piece. <clears throat> I was as restless as a caged animal on Thursday. I lied one second. Do you want to say hi? Do you want to say hi? She does not. Okay. <clears throat> That's twice now I've asked, and her answer is no. No much care for it. I was as restless as a caged animal on Thursday. I tried watching Netflix. I tried reading. My house was already perfectly clean. My lawn mowed. The only thing I could focus on was Poppy. On seeing her tonight. And finally, I gave up and went to my room. I sat in my chair, by my bed, and unzipped my jeans. I had been in a state of semi-hardness all day, and just the thought of jacking off something I'd mostly denied myself for the past three years, well, that was enough to get me all the way there. I gave myself a couple of pulls until my cock was pointing straight up, remembering how it felt to have Poppy's wet cunt pressing against me. I leaned back, my jaw tight, finally giving up and reaching for my phone. She picked up on the second ring. Hello. That voice. It was even huskier in, on the phone. I wrapped my hand around my dick and slowly stroked myself. Where are you? I'm at the club. I could hear her moving around as if she were walking into a more private place to talk. But I'm almost done. What's going on? I hesitated. God, this was fucking crass, but 
I wanted her voice in my ear as I did this. I'm, I'm hard, Bobby. I'm so fucking hard I can't think straight. Oh, she said. And then her voice filled with understanding. Oh, oh, Tyler. Really? Yes. How? She said, and I could hear her moving again, and then I heard a door close. Where? I'm in my room. My my jeans are pulled down. Are your legs splayed? Are you leaning back against something or sitting up? Her questions were laced with want, with hunger. It made me grip myself harder. Uh, I'm leaning back, yes. My legs are wide. It makes me think of you when you knelt between them and sucked them off. I want to do that again. She purred, and somehow I knew that she was touching herself too. I want to lick you from base to tip. I want to suck you in deep. I, I want that too. Are you using your whole hand? Or just your fingers? My whole hand? I said, as I was jerking myself in earnest now, wanting her to be here so badly. Hold on, she said, and there was a few seconds of silence. Then my phone buzzed. You have a text, she said silkily. I held my phone away from my face and nearly passed out. She sent me a, a picture of her fingers buried in her cunt. You're so fucking dirty, I said, and then another one came through. This one angled so that I could see her black heel braced against the edge of a desk. Holy shit. I can hear you now, she said. I can hear your hand moving over your cock. God, I wish I could see it. I, I wish you could too, I said, and I managed to pull the camera on my phone and turn on the video, all with one hand, because there was no way I was slowing down now. I'm so wet, she confided, making a mess. I'm in my boss's office right now. It's all so slippery, and I wish it was your cock instead of my fingers. I wish it so much. I wore these heels today knowing I'd be digging them into your back later. I kept the image of her heels and that perfect cunt in my mind as I let her words work their magic. A climax jolted through me and I thrust up into my hand, groaning as loudly as a cum jetted out of my dick, exhaling a muttered fuck as the orgasm slowly backed down. I love hearing you, came her voice from the earpiece. Your noises. I thought about them last night in my hotel room while I played with myself. Naughty girl. I sent her the video. Now it's your turn to check the messages. There was a pause, and then I could hear the unmistakable sound of myself jacking off as she played the video hear my groan echoing in her boss's office. Oh, God, she whispered, and it was clear I was on speaker now. 
fuck, Tyler. That's so... If I were there, I would lick every last drop of you. If you were here, it would all have gone in your tight little cunt, I said. Jesus, she moaned. And then, yes. Which was followed by breathy little gasps that made my cock stir back to life. And finally, silence, punctuated with a loud sigh and a chair squeaking as she sat up. I heard the click as I came off speaker. Tyler? Yes? The smile was apparent in her voice. Feel free to call me any time. Sierra Simone, priest, a love story. He's a priest, kids. Oh, shit. It's a priest and dominatrix love story. Get some. Get some. All right, kids. I hope you had an amazing, amazing, amazing night tonight. Thank you all for coming out. That was the birthday show. I am your birthday boy. Uh, I, I hope you enjoyed the performance. I just want to say real quick before I go, just to brag on myself a little, I promise you, I didn't know I was getting Shakespeare tonight. <laughs> I had to wing all that. It just felt real good. Um, you know, about two years ago uh, is about when I started doing live shows. It was around August 2016. I did my first one. They were very infrequent. Uh, they were just for patrons. I did my first one about two years ago. And I, 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 had, I got grumpy about the amount of poetry shortly after that because poetry was so hard to do. I got grumpy about the length of things, yada, 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 because it was it was difficult to read and concentrate. Two years on now, and here we are. It's so easy to do Shakespeare right after doing poetry, right before doing some long pieces. Uh, thank you so much for that. If nothing else, let's all be grateful for that. You girls are so amazing. You've helped me heal up. Uh, there's, there's more and better coming all the time. Uh, spirit bomb me, give me some money, and then also wishes for Denver, and then also just kind of like... Like, the number one thing you can do to propel the project at this point is just kind of, like, be like, every time you have some spare energy, be like, get your fat ass to the gym. Just think it. Just think. Don't say it. That'll be mean. But just, like, use it. Like, clench both your fists and be like, just some, like, get that fat ass to the gym as hard as you can. That's pretty much the last thing. The database is getting pretty close. Uh, things are going right along. As you can hear, the healing is is really happening. Uh uh, I, uh, with diet and, and all the rest, it's going pretty well. So it's all about the gym and all the rest. You girls are so good to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Happy birthday to me. I appreciate you all very much. Feel free to stick around on the server. There's usually quite a bit of attention uh, and quite a bit of uh, uh, celebration going on. I will definitely be back in tonight. Uh, I, I don't know what state I'm going to be in. I, I held off of, you could probably hear it. I had a little bit of a puff, but I, I largely held off from, from imbibing and celebrating today. Because uh, I wanted to do a good birthday show. And I'm about to get taked. I'm about to get physicked. So I don't know exactly what state I may come in. I might just come in and start screaming Hollow Knight shit. Uh, but <laughs> I'll be back a little bit later. Thank you guys. So I'm misting up a little bit. For real, I'm misting up a little bit. One last time. Two years ago, you guys sent me to Denmark to get a, to, to get a book done. To, to, to get away. To, to, to heal up. To... To, to do all the rest and well not to heal up but you, two years ago you guys sent me to Denmark for a couple of months because I had room and boarding you paid for the ticket and 
that's that's where I discovered that THC would take me out of pain. And that's where I discovered that you guys were waiting around for me, even if I wasn't as productive. Um, that's, that's where I got the messages that said, don't work so hard and enjoy it and have fun. And it's, it's been a really, really, really crazy two years with just, just so many ups and downs. Lots of downs, sad to say. And I just want to say how grateful I am for all of you. Every last one. I don't care if you can't pay. I don't care if you're too shy to share it on social media. Thank you for being a fan. I don't know what these two years would have been like without you. They would have been hard. They would have been harder. So thank you. Thank you very much. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Uh, uh, This is where I would normally apologize for getting so emotional. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say truly, truly, truly. It's my honor. It's my honor. It's my honor. I love doing it, and it's my honor, and I am grateful. Thank you for letting me be your knight. Uh, And with that, thank you for listening to uh, the podcast. Thank you for uh, listening to all the rest. (laughs) It probably feels a bit weird after all that, but please subscribe or follow. It does help me out a lot. Tell your friends. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, look forward to the next live show. Please try and make it to the next live show. It's a real good time, and it's the only way you're going to have me do your requests or remind me that I need to to uh, to put things in quotation marks and say them because I kind of skipped that this week to do cat stories, cat names. All right, guys, it was it was the best. I'm definitely going ahead and stopping now before I keep talking and talking and talking forever. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your week ahead of you.